The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. You're not the only one that comes to church for the 1015 unsure of what to wear. That's where I'm at. It's that time of season. Like I had a long sleeve shirt over this and it was just too hot. So if that's you, you are free to be comfortable. Um, If you have your Bible with you today, I'd love for you to open it to Matthew 9, um, beginning with verse 35. And while you're turning there, um, whenever I go to a new community or someplace I haven't been before, one of the things that that when Ann and I are together or I do by myself is we look for coffee shops to go to. We look for home hometown coffee shops. So we do what many of you do. We pull out our phone and we will just Google coffee shops in the area or maybe we'll use Yelp if you know what Yelp is. Um, we'll find a coffee shop and then we'll click on it and maybe we'll look at their, at their Facebook page kind of to see what other people talk about. And the reality of it is in... 2019, um, that's how a lot of people find churches, is, is through technology like Google or Facebook. And maybe, maybe that sounds a little weird to some of us, that someone would look for a church um, on their phone, but it's actually very culturally um, consistent with the way they look for other things. So what, what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is is we want to try and interact with people where they are. Um, We want to interact with people um, in ways that they might find us. So something that you could do today, like today, before you you walk out the door, is if you have a a smartphone, just Google Westway Christian Church. Uh, There's a Reviews button. Click on that review. And just share why you come here. Share why this is important to you. If you, if you value, for instance, if you value our children's ministry, you should say that. Because what some people do, they're looking for a church to get connected to where there's a good children's ministry. So when you type, I like the children's ministry at Westway Christian Church, when someone Googles children's ministry in Scotts Bluff, that's what's going to show up. They're going to see Westway Christian Church. And the same way works on Facebook. So I would encourage you, I'm going to challenge you today to, at some point in the day, hop onto Google, look up Westway Christian Church, and leave a review about why you come here. Um, It's a really important connecting piece for people in our community. And we've been talking throughout this series about how how we can build relationships with people in our community. That's one way is they're going to Google a church before they come to it. They're going to look us up on Facebook before they visit. They're going to go to our church website before they come here. That's, that's, the, that's the new front door is our church website. So they're going to look at all of those things before they, before they make a decision um, to come here. And what we're doing when we interact with our community in ways that they interact is, is we're, we're casting a really big net into our community. What we're doing when we leave a positive review about Westway Christian Church, about what you found here, we're telling people that this is a place where they might find community. We're telling people that this is a place where they're going to find real relationship, where they're going to find hope. So when they come in the door, they're kind of expecting to find that here, right? So we tell them, you're going to find community, you're going to find hope, 
you're going to find love, and then they come here, and that's what they're going to be expecting. And we've been talking also the past couple weeks, remember what the Bible says about people who don't know Jesus Christ. It's pretty direct. It says that they're spiritually dead. They're separated from God, and they're separated from other people. They're, they're cut off from real community with other people because of their sin. And that might sound harsh, but for those of us who, who look back, who are united with Christ, and we look back on our life prior to our relationship with Christ, when we, when we look back on who we were before Christ with any integrity, we know that we were out of relationship with God and we were out of relationship with other people. And for me, like I recognized that I had this gaping hole in my soul that I was just trying to stuff things into. Right, to fill that space. This is what the writer of Ecclesiastes meant when he said, He, God, has planted eternity in their hearts. It's what St. Augustine of Hippo meant when he wrote, You stir us so praising you might bring us joy, because you have made us and drawn us to yourself. Our heart is unquiet until it rests in you. It's what Blaise Pascal said. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there once was in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace? This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help since this infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. It's what the great American poet laureate Axel Rose meant when he said, take me down to Paradise City where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. See, despite feeling this way, despite this never-ending search for satisfaction... Many human beings pretend that it doesn't exist. We cope with this present reality through all sorts of medication. Some of it is actual medication. And for others of us, as I said, we cram things down into that space in our soul. We fill it with alcohol, or at least we try. We fill it with sex. We fill it it with success and acclaim, and we seek to fill it with affirmation and athletics or the number that is on a scale in the morning when we step on it. These are all ways that we seek to fill that, to fill that space within us. And as Christians, what is our response to all of this? When the masses who read all of your Google reviews today, when they come into our building looking for a community, looking for relationship, what do we do with them when they come? Well, we announce the good news of God's kingdom to them. We tell them about Jesus. We tell them all of the things that we've been talking about for the past few months. We, we tell them the reality of who they are in relationship We tell them who Jesus is, and then we point them to the life that he desires for them. And that is when it's going to get messy and difficult for us. When we proclaim God's love for people faithfully, what's going to happen is is we're going to have a front row seat to the circumstances and situations 
and to the hardships and the realities of people who don't know who Jesus is. It's going to be right there in front of us. And it's been my experience in the different churches where I've served, when we've reached out to the community, when we have encouraged broken people to come into a place and be loved, they're only going to continue to come. Because some of these broken people are going to meet Jesus, and then they're going to tell the other broken people in their life where they can come and meet Jesus, and then they're going to tell other people in their life where they can come and meet Jesus And that's when our comfortable and complacent lives are really going to be challenged. When when all of those people come into our space and we enter into relationship with them. Let's read Matthew chapter 9, beginning uh, with verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. It's pretty simple. Jesus is out teaching and proclaiming the good news of the gospel, and he's healing people. And they kept coming. He would heal and more people would come. And he would heal and more people would come. And he would heal and more people would come. And I, I want you to imagine for a moment how, how overwhelming that might have felt to Jesus in the midst of this. This never-ending sea of people who were clamoring for healing, were clamoring for food, were clamoring to have the demons cast out of them. And in other scenes, we see that the disciples are actually sick of all of this. It's in, Ma- in Matthew 14, one of the disciples say, um, the people are hungry and we don't have enough. Jesus, send, send all of these people away. There is not enough. And I think it can be easy for us to identify with the disciples, can it? When we're faced with this onslaught of people's needs, Send them away. There are too many of them. We don't have enough. And I think at Westway, one of the things we've seen is we've kind of encouraged that. Several months ago, we started off by by collecting school supplies. And then I want to say about two weeks after that, the United Way reached out to us and said, hey, we want to do some things for, for homelessness in the community. So can you Help us raise some supplies for that. So we did that. And then two weeks later, what's in our lobby right now? Snow angels. Another opportunity. And soon, we're going to be talking about helping Mission to South Africa with their, with their annual Christmas party and other things that we help them with every single December. See, the people are hungry and, and it can be easy for us to say, we don't have enough. We, like, when are we going to stop putting, putting containers in our lobby? When is that going to end? Well, I don't think it ever is. For a body that wants to be obedient to who God is calling us to be in our community, I don't think it ever is. Jesus' response to this sea of needs 
was compassion. Why was he compassionate for them? Because he looked at them and he saw that this mass of humanity was confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus' response to that scene in Matthew 14, when they said, send these people away, we don't have enough food. Jesus' response was, you feed them. You feed them. See, Jesus is calling them to a life of compassion, and he's calling us to a life of compassion for those who need it. And all of them need it. All of us need compassion. And certainly people who don't know Christ need compassionate. Jesus says, the people are coming to us. We need more workers. So pray to the Lord in charge of the harvest that God sends them. And you know what happens next in Matthew chapter 10, just a few verses in? It's kind of amazing. After a brief introduction, Matthew writes, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. So Jesus told the disciples to pray for workers for the harvest. So I can imagine, like, as good Christians, they got, probably got down on their knees, and they were like, oh, Jesus, send workers. We need more workers. We need more helpers. And what does Jesus say? You're the workers. It's you. Remember that thing you just prayed for? That's you. Now go and do this. And that's what I think one of the things we need to hear as Christians today is people who have been united with Jesus. You're the worker. You. You are the worker. God is sending you. I want you to let that sink in that God is sending you. And after that initial wave of nausea passes over you, you, we start to think about all sorts of things. What does that mean that Jesus is sending me? Where will I go? What will I do? I'm not equipped for this. I don't even know enough about my Bible. Right? We start, we start to ask all of these kinds of questions. Well, this is where we thank God for his plan. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. Two verses today from Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts God gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, God has sent a number of people. He's given a gift, the gift of a number of people into the church, into our church, to prepare you for your mission. I'm going to use a lot of you today. Okay? I'm going to use a lot of you. God has sent gifts. He sent leaders. He sent people into the life of the church. He sent life. He sent people into your life to prepare you for the mission. He has sent the church. He sent our church, basically shepherds and leaders who have one role. One role. Equipping God's people to do God's work. Now that ought to sound strangely like what we just read in Matthew chapter 10. What Jesus said about God's harvest. See, it's God's harvest, and the workers are building up the church. Essentially, the leaders that God has sent to our church exist to shepherd our body. 
Because without that shepherding of our church leaders, you are aimless and wandering like sheep without a shepherd. I don't know how to serve. I don't know what to do. I need someone to help me do this. And this is where our leaders come in. So there are lots of formal leaders here at Westway Christian Church. And at the top of the list, like, like if this was some kind of organizational chart, at the top of the list is Jesus. And then below Jesus, we find elders and pastors and ministry team leaders. And we might even include small group leaders or Sunday school teachers as, as leaders within our church body. And then we have informal leaders within our church, people who maybe don't have a title, and that is actually every other person in the room. We're going to talk more about this when we come back to the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4 next week. But every Christian is an informal leader. Every Christian is someone who has influence in the lives of others. So I want to be just direct. The, the leader of Westway Christian Church is not John Mulholland. I'm not the, the CEO here. Um, I'm not even the CO, which is what Jim calls me, because Jim was in the Navy. And I'm not even the CO of Westway Christian Church. I've had people and I've heard people refer to me as the leader of Westway Christian Church. And if you think that, you're wrong. I'm not the, I'm not the leader of this, of this place. Jesus is the leader. It's what the Bible says. That's where we get that from. It's what we believe in. It's how we act. And, and as evidence that I'm not in charge of this, Jesus is. Um, today's message is a really good example of the reality that Jesus is in charge of Westway um, Christian Church. When I enter into planning for what we're going to talk about on Sunday mornings, I have in my mind how I think things are going to go. Like I read through the text and I study and I pray and I'm in relationship and community with our other pastors and elders. So I have an idea of how I think a certain sermon is going to go. And then reality hits and I'm working on it and I start feeling this pressing into my soul from God. Because initially I was going to talk about the first 16 verses of Ephesians chapter 4 today, and then we are going to briefly talk about elders. But the more and more I worked on that message, like that just wasn't what was happening in me. And I love that. I love, I love it when God takes my idea of what I think um, he should do and what I think we should talk about, and he's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that on Sunday. It's awesome. So I, so I shared with our pastors and elders what I was thinking, and, and one of them sarcastically said, John, can you do that? And then one of the other elders said, thank the Lord for our freedom in Christ and in church order. Here's the thing that I want you to realize, know, and accept today. Christ is the head of the church, and he leads through human leaders. That's the thing I want you to realize, know, and accept. Christ is the head of the church, and he leads through human leaders, and God has always led through humans. 
Adam and Eve were created to bear his image in the garden. The children of Abraham were to create a great nation. Moses led them out of Egypt, and we had judges and kings and prophets, and all of these people who were supposed to be God's representatives on earth. Jesus, the Savior, was a human being. The apostles and Paul and Timothy and Titus, they were all humans. And one of the things that, that those last three did when they, when they planted churches all over Asia Minor, one of the things that they did was they appointed human leaders over each of the churches. And these leaders might go by lots of names. I don't know what your particular church background is. But here at Westway Christian Church, we, we call these leaders elders. And in your bulletin this week, you'll, you'll see, um, one of the things you'll see is there's an elder nomination uh, paper in there. And I just want to read the, just the very top paragraph under qualifications for elders for a second. It says, following the New Testament example, Westway Christian Church selects elders whose primary function is to be responsible for the spiritual well-being of the body and make decisions accordingly. Elders must be members of Westway and are, and are the spiritually mature men of the body who supervise, shepherd, serve, and teach. They are visible because of their godly character, their development in the word, and their vision for the church. And then... It says the qualifications for elders in the Bible are found in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, and Titus 1, 5 to 9, and then it lists out underneath what those qualifications are. One of the things I want you to see is we're not making these qualifications up. We did not sit in the elders in an elders meeting um, one Monday morning at 6.30 and think, so if someone wants to be an elder here, like what can we come up with? No, this is this is right out of this is right out of scripture. And one of the things that I love about the elders at Westway Christian Church and our pastors is is all year long on Monday mornings from 6:30 to 7:45 in addition to all of the other things that that we talk about as elders and pastors, all year long we've been talking about the role of eldership at Westway Christian Church. We started off by going through scripture Right? As Christians, that's where we start. What does the Bible have to say about elders? What did they mean? When, when Paul wrote these things, what, what did he mean? What does this mean for us? And then we've been reading a whole bunch of other things, books and magazines and articles about eldership. We're in the process of developing a training plan right now for elders. And I've actually been going through that process with someone who was nominated last year and said, I'm not ready yet. I've been going through that elder training process with this person. Um, we meet once a week, and we're going through that booklet. All, for the last five months, that's, that's how I've spent one of, my, one of my lunch hours that usually turns into about two hours of conversation about what it means to be an elder. I would encourage you to look closely at these qualifications and maybe have a question. And if you have a question, we want to enter into that conversation um, with you. We're not afraid of, of answering questions about this process. Maybe you want us to address it generally, and a way to do that is to text the question to the number that's on the screen. We talk about that on Tuesdays. Maybe you want to have a personal conversation. I actually had a conversation with someone 
a few weeks ago who used to be an elder at Westway Christian Church. And one of the things that was in our conversation, we were talking about elder qualifications, he said, um, essentially, how can we know why someone is being nominated for the role of elder at Westway Christian Church? Because up until today, and I'm going to get to that in a second, up until today, we would hand out this nomination form and we would ask people to just to give us a name. Right? So, so we, have, we have the person that they're recommending and we have the name of the person recommending. And this person said, how can we know why someone is being nominated? And that's a really good question. It's an outstanding question. It's easy to nominate someone, but why are they being nominated? So I went back to our, our pastors and elders, and I said, you know, I had this conversation with so-and-so a couple weeks ago, and this is what he told me, and I really think that's a great, that's a great addition to this process. So one of the things I, I hope that you hear from that is if you have a thought or a question or concern, you know what the easiest thing for you to do is? Ask. Just come and share your heart. Because we make changes to things based off of conversations that we have. I think this is a really good example of that. We want our leadership to be people that, that you can trust. And one way that you can help us like establish trust with, with our church body and our church leaders is by you asking us questions. And not talking to 40 million other people, but asking our leadership questions. And today's the beginning of our elder nomination process. So this is, this is for members only. This is, one of those, this is one of those things where we don't give you a special parking spot if you're a member, but we do allow you to enter into this process of church leadership with us. If you are unsure of your membership status, I would encourage you to ask one of our elders. One of the things we don't do is accept anonymous nominations. Right, so we want to, that's trust. That's what that's about. We don't accept anonymous nominations. When someone's nominated, the very first thing we do is we have a conversation in our elders and pastors meetings. And essentially it's, hey, we, we received the nomination of this person. So it's kind of a low level. Okay, so, so people are entering into this process right now. And very quickly after that, one of, I, uh, one of our elders, um, or usually myself, depending on who has relationship with these, with these people, we meet with those nominated elders. We have a personal conversation. And basically we say, hey, you've been nominated for eldership. We're going to ask you to pray about it. Sometimes those are really quick conversations. Because sometimes the person says, no, I'm, I have the, all these things going on in my life right now. Um, I'm not ready to be. This is not for me. And that's a, that's a quick conversation. Other times, it takes a little bit longer. We talk about roles and responsibilities. If they're married, our desire is to visit with their spouse. We want to give them some content to read and, discuss, and think about and study and process with us. We'll invite them to an elder meeting or two. As different elders, like pastors, we, we talk to these people who have been nominated, and that process takes about a month. And then in January, we set those names of the people who have who've gone through that process. We set those names before 
our church body like at the beginning of January. That's what we do. And we ask our members to interact with us about those nominations. Maybe you live in Mark Scanlon's neighborhood, for instance, and you notice there's always a gearing PD vehicle outside of his house. You might put that on, you might say, man, I live in Scanlon's neighborhood and there's always a gearing PD vehicle outside that guy's house. What's going on? Right? And then you sign it because we don't accept anonymous um, feedback in that way. And then we get to come to you and say, well, one of their children, Adam, is a gearing police department officer. See, that makes sense that there's always a gearing PD vehicle outside of Mark's house. Now, if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and there's five squad cars outside of his house three times a week with their lights rolling, that's a different conversation, right? But see, there are, there are things like we're just, we're just not in relationship with, with everyone as, as, as we'd all like. Right? So, so we invite our congregation to interact with us into that process. Um, if there's a concern, we visit with the person who's making, who's expressing that concern. Adam's a gearing PD. It's okay. We meet with those people, and we meet with the person who, who the concern has been expressed about. Maybe there are some things we can resolve. Maybe there are some misunderstandings. Maybe there are some deeper things that need to be taken into account. So... If everything's worked out, or there are no concerns expressed at our annual meeting in January, we present these names for confirmation to our members. This is also a trust issue for our elders. So you can check no, but we expect you to write your name on it because we don't, we don't do anonymous here at Westway because we want to build trust. And then those elders go on to serve a three-year term. That's how that process works for us. We accept elder nomination through December 1st. This is a huge role and responsibility for our church body. And it's just one reason why membership matters here at Westway Christian Church. There'll be a, there'll be a box in the lobby where you can put your, put your sheet. And we, we want to see people be nominated. We encourage people to be nominated who are, who are worthy of those, of those roles and who desire those roles. When I talk about elders and pastors, I use a lot of we. Um, not because our pastors are elders, but because our elders and pastors actually have a really good relationship and work, work well together. Um, it's not elders versus pastors here at Westway Christian Church. I don't know what kind of church, church backgrounds you might have come from. Um, I've certainly been in those environments where it's elder versus pastor. And it's not healthy, and that's not what we have. We meet most Mondays from 6.30 a.m. to 7.45, which is good because then everybody gets to go to work. Um, once a month, our elders meet on a Tuesday night for our monthly business meeting. I'm telling you all this, not to bore you to tears, but I'm telling you all of this because people don't know what our elders do. They have a lot of questions, and these are the kind of questions we get, we get asked here. Um, there's not a lot of secret things that take place during our meetings. Um, we encourage, if you have a thought, a question, or concern, um, you can let us know, and we'd love to have you come and participate. Um, my favorite thing is when we pray and when we read the text for the coming Sunday. It's my favorite thing, to listen to, to, listen to the wisdom of our elders and pastors 
just pour into what our messages are going to look like, and then I go and change them, and that's how that works. Um, a lot of times we make fun of each other, and we laugh, especially Dave Robinson. Um, we drink a lot of coffee. Sometimes we disagree. Um, and when we are aware of situations and circumstances and hardships of rea- and realities in our church body, we, we pray over you and we weep over you. Um, and it's an awesome leadership group to be a part of. I love our elders and pastors here. Um, and part of, our sh- part of the shepherding of our church body is the equipping of other leaders. Um, some churches might call these deacons or lay leaders here at Westway. We call them uh, ministry team leaders. These are people who have de- who've demonstrated desire and ability over time to take on more, more responsibility and greater roles. Um, their relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. Um, and they often bring skills with them from, from outside of the church environment to help them, help them lead our church, to help us resolve organizational struggles. And these leaders are crucial for our church, um, for our church body. We have high expectations of our ministry team leaders, although it's not necessarily like this. We could easily point to every one of these things and say, if you're a ministry team leader, this list applies to you. And at the same time, I would say, for any Christian in the room, this list applies to you. This is your list. This is my list, regardless of my role as a pastor here at Westway Christian Church. Our ministry team leaders often find themselves providing pastoral care to the people on their teams, asking for prayer. They come early, they stay late, they do lots of things. If someone wants to start a new ministry here, we expect them to own that ministry from start to finish. We expect them to take responsibility for that ministry from start to finish. About six months ago, I had someone contact me and tell me about a ministry that, that they were feeling led uh, to bring here at Westway Christian Church. She sent me some initial information, and she scheduled an appointment with me. Um, so we met in my office, and she started telling me about it, and she was, she was really excited. She did the right thing. She started off with what's already happening here at Westway Christian Church. And the more she talked, <laughs> like her head was just getting bigger and bigger, she was absolutely filled with excitement because um, I was like, you know, interested and nodding my head and tell me more, tell me more. She got more and more confident and more and more excited in the whole thing. And then when she was done, I asked her one question. I said, do you have the time for this? And I watched like she was like, oh. And we've joked about this, and she knew I was going to do that today. I don't mean to make light of it, but the reality is, for people who are going to serve in ministry team leaders in those roles here at Westway Christian Church, we expect them to lead in their area. We want to give them the tools and the support and the help, but we're not going to lead their ministry for them. We're not going to lead ministry for our ministry team leaders. A few months later, she called me back and said, hey, I want to talk to you about ministry. We met. She told me how she spent her entire summer using an Excel spreadsheet, uh, timing out how she spent all of her time, the things that she cut down on, the things that she could refocus, the team that she was building and praying about it. 
And that person's Becky Jones and the ministry's Embrace Grace. When I asked her that question, do you have the time for this? She didn't storm out of my office angry. She probably complained to Dustin about it. But she left not, not, not necessarily frustrated. And I think if there was any frustration, it was like, man, like I got to own this. If I'm going to do this, I want to do this right. We have a lot of ministries here at Westway Christian Church. Some of them are led and some of them aren't led. We don't have, we don't have team leaders in some areas. And as much as we might be bothered by that, right now we're kind of waiting for leaders who feel led and passionate to lead. And part of being passionate and ready to lead means giving updates to our body. So Becky's going to come up. She's going to give us a little update about um, some things happening with Embrace Grace. So I would encourage you to um, give her your time. And Thank you. Thank you. How about now, Amanda? There we go. My husband just, the sound man in him just died. Um, So my name is Becky Jones, uh, and I lead Embrace Grace with an amazing team of other people. Um, And we're a little bit over halfway through our semester, and I just want to say thank you. We've had so many people bring food and greet um, our girls here on Wednesday nights, and go above and beyond outside those times as well. So you know who you are. Thank you so much if you've been a part of it. Um, And many people at Westway have asked me, you know, how's it going? How are your blooms doing? How many do you have? And I've also had just so much encouragement. I'm sure our other team leads have as well. Um, Just, you know, things saying like, um, you're just so courageous for leading this. And all of these, like, adjectives that are just really not true. (laughs) So as far as the being brave part, but... There's this kind of understanding that, like, the blooms are the recipients of ministry and we are the givers of ministry. And honestly, when I sat in John's office this summer, that's kind of what I thought it would be, too. Um, But so much of that is true. Kim uh, and Gabby and I have an opportunity every week. You know, we've been walking with Jesus for a while now, and so we have victory, and we have freedom, and we have truth, and we know our Bibles, and we can kind of show the girls that, and so in one sense, there is, you know, we have an opportunity to preach the gospel every week, Um, but so many times, I'm just as much a recipient of the healing that's happening in that room, and so that was not what I expected uh, at all, and as we prayed about who had come to this ministry, you know, when you get your Embrace Grace Leadership Handbook, and they kind of say, you know, this is for single women facing unplanned pregnancy between the ages of 14 and 30-ish, but they also say God is a yes God, so listen to him and seek and you know, to open your eyes and see who this would be for, and the people who have come to this ministry, I think out of the eight of us, three of us are pregnant, Um, and we still, just the line between bloom and leader has gotten so blurry, and it's like the coolest thing um, that could have happened, and I, you know, if that was God, that could not have been me. Um, Some of us 
are both. Some of us are blooms and leaders. Some of us are still healing from circumstances surrounding our pregnancies 15 years ago. So, and things that we didn't even know that God wanted to do in our hearts. Um, but the other side of this is like, God did not design me to be the hero of this ministry. And that is just so obvious every week. Um, some of the, the, the parts of the people's stories that come to Embrace Grace are pregnant, married, single, um, have been through an adoption of some kind, domestic or sexual abuse, mental health struggles, divorce, the trauma of being abandoned by a parent, boyfriend, or, or spouse, and then just severe poverty of single parenthood sometimes. Um, guess how many of those categories I currently relate to? That's one. I am married. And so every week I come sit at this table and I, I mean, I just can't do it. I'm just not sufficient for um, what these women need. And God has been so faithful to bring in other people who might have been considered blooms who are now getting to relate and um, heal. And we just kind of pass healing around like we're passing around dessert. It's just, it's incredible. And so I'm so thankful that our church body has um, just been so open to this. Um, so, I mean, if you have a... The, the other side of John's story for my seat is embrace grace is not my idea. I mean, I think if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I think John called it being pressed, I mean, I can literally feel like in my solar plexus, God pressing things into me sometimes. And that's how embrace grace was. And so when he said, do you really have time for this? The, the honest answer was no. But the, then the result of the no plus the pressing is not don't do it. It's what do I have to do to make this happen because God has laid this on me and there is no other, he's not going to leave me alone about it. And so there's really no other option but to cut. I mean, you probably haven't seen me up on praise team for a while because I just don't have time to do that. That's like my favorite thing. And I don't have time to do that and embrace grace. So there's things that just to focus and sharpen you, he's going to have to cut. Um, and you know, the, on the other part of that, if you're passionate about leading a ministry and you do have that pressing um, but you're using the excuse that you don't have the bandwidth for it, which I have defined. I mean, I've way overthought this, trust me. Um, <clears throat> but I have defined that as the time and energy and the knowledge to do it. And if you're using that I'm not enough as an excuse, you are absolutely right, because I do not have the time, energy, to, and, and um, knowledge to do this alone. And so um, it's just no excuse because the body does have the bandwidth. I'm going to tell you a little story that kind of illustrates that a little bit. So one of our blooms that comes to Embrace Grace drives from Banner County. And the first time that she was coming, um, I'm kind of watching my Facebook messenger because she was going to let me know, and she's running late, and I'm starting to get nervous, you know, that she's either not coming or why isn't she here yet? And I get a message from her that says, um, my mom is with me. Our truck is sputtering. We're about five miles away. Can you come get us if we break down? This is like at 7.05. We start at 7. And my response to this, I'm really irritated because this is really just messing up my schedule for tonight. Like, I am a, this is what we're going to do at this time, at this time, this time to stay on, tra on, on track. And so I'm just really annoyed. And, but I just stop the group and I decide, I just say, we're going to pray. And I don't know if a lot of women have been to, like, women's ministry events. There's, like, sometimes just, like, beautiful. I mean, women just stand up and they pray and the language is, like, 
beautiful words, and we just don't do that in Embrace Grace. <laughs> because my prayer sounds more like, hello, Lord, I have no idea what to do right now. Please advise. Like, right now, I need some, you know. So that's kind of how I approach this entire ministry. Um, so um, our Bloom and her mom end up making it to the church, but their car is like, you know, I don't even know. It's, it is barely running. Um, and our Bloom comes in, and we resume group, and Dustin kind of meets uh, me. We all kind of meet in the lobby to greet them, and he has worked on cars before, and so I say to him, you know, they're having car trouble. Can you help? And uh, he grabs, he is going to help this mom, and he can see, he's like, well, we'll just run over to O'Reilly's Auto Parts store, and we'll, we'll see what they think you need. And he notices that this woman that he's offering to give a ride, four blocks or whatever it is, is like shaking. Like she is visibly afraid, whether it's of him or just whatever it is. And so he just kind of pauses for a second, and he walks into the church, and Michaela Peterson is in leading um, youth group, and so he taps her on the shoulder and says one thing to her. He says, hey, I need to borrow you for a second. And without questioning him, she follows him out, and she rides with so it's Dustin and the woman who owns the, the truck and Michaela, and they go. And, you know, Dustin just did that because he wanted to make her more comfortable. We just kind of have a rule, like, we don't want to avoid, we would love to avoid, you know, having a sexual harassment charge next week because we don't know these people. So let's just grab another person, make her feel comfortable. Um, but the way that Sam, the, the woman, told that story is I have never had a man look at me Realize I was scared and do something about it, ever. And that was huge for her. And it was such a small, such a small thing. But I couldn't do it. I had to lead Embrace Grace. Dustin couldn't do it because he wasn't going to take a woman he didn't know. And we needed Michaela. And she came without questioning. And that is bandwidth. Needing each other. And, you know, like, I was joking about this because... Dustin and I are like 33, and Michaela just got married, and she's 20. Outside of Christ, a 33-year-old man going and tapping a 20-year-old on the shoulder and going, hey, I need you to go for a ride with me, is really creepy. Like, that just, it doesn't happen. But Austin and Michaela have been in our house every Tuesday night for almost a year, and they have watched us as we have processed the hard emotions of starting Embrace Grace and what it looked like for our family. And they know, and they just, they're just our people. And so I hope that you have people at Westway that you can tap on the shoulder and without a single question, they'll go help you serve someone. And that's why Embrace Grace works. And that's like one of 50 stories from this semester, and we're only halfway through. Um, the other part of that is that Austin and Nathan Holloway ended up underneath that pickup truck in a really cold night, soaked in gasoline, and trying to fix her car up and switch this part out. And then Sam said, I have never had three men who had just wanted to help me and didn't expect anything in return. And so I think we sometimes forget, as a church, like, it's so natural for us to help each other and want to be in a relationship with each other. Like, oh yeah, no big deal, I can help you with that. And that is light to the world because that is not how the rest of the world works. And so that's a huge um, testimony that it's really not that difficult. It's just being in a relationship with each other and saying yes. And that's why Embrace Grace works. Um, 
so I just want to share a little bit about the next thing that's coming is uh, our baby shower. And that's going to be on November 9th um, from 1 to 3 p.m. And so if you want to be involved with that, there's a lot of different ways to do that. We have some pretty good people in place um, that are going to take care of most of it. But one thing that we really need the body to do is to buy the presents. And so we have uh, two moms that are going to be showered at the shower. They'll receive the same amount of gifts, and we are giving them new items. This isn't that baby thing that you just cleaned the baby poop off of and you want to get rid of. Don't give them that. We're going to go buy them new gifts and um, we have two girls. One is named Echo, and one is named Michaela. And they are, the purpose of the baby shower is just to blow these girls away with the love of Jesus. And so we want to meet their physical needs as they become moms. They're both having boys. Weird, I get involved with ministry, and boy mom just keeps coming. Um, but the gifts are actually presented. If you'll just kind of turn around. 180 degrees, there's a big picture frame on the sound booth. And every single one of those little hanging tags has a baby gift on it. And if you would like to take one of those and be a part of that, we would love to have you help. Um, some, each girl gets like one bigger item. One of them registered for a double stroller because this is her second baby, and the other one needs a really nice car seat. Those things might be closer to like $100 or even more. So I would suggest... That would be a great thing for your small group to all pitch in or your Sunday school class or team up with somebody. It doesn't have to be just you. But most of the gifts back there are going to be $20 or less. And so uh, depending on how you want to be involved, you can take one, you can take more than one. Um, so we're going to ask you to do, because I'm type A, I would like you to do it in a certain way. So <laughs> Gabby and Kim are going to be back there after um, service today, standing there to help you and answer any of your questions. But we want you to take a tag that fits your budget. The prices aren't on there. You're just going to have to use your knowledge. Like a baby outfit is probably 10 to $15. So just look at what it is and think, I could do that. Then you're going to write your name. There's a little sign-up sheet on the clipboard. Find the girl that you're giving it to and find the gift that you picked and write your name and phone number. And that's just so that we can communicate you with you, remind you, tell you, you know, if you have a question, let you know where you can drop things off, things like that. And then I want you to go into the community, um, because Scott and Austin are here, I'm going to say go to Target, and but you can shop anywhere, and shop like Jesus would, and just have so much fun. This is a really fun way to um, be generous and give. And then we want you to wrap the gift and go ahead and sign your name, because we want them to know, like, Embrace Grace is not Becky, Gabby, Kim, Embrace Grace is Westway. And they, we want them to know that there's a lot of people that love them here. And then we want you to bring the gifts back to the church building no later than Friday, November 8th. There is a piece of paper with all of these instructions for you on that table, so you don't have to memorize them. And then, if you bought a gift, we want you to come to the shower. Um, that's a busy weekend. We have our Thanksgiving dinner the next day. We have fall fling kids, so I know it's a busy weekend. You do not have to come to the shower, but we want you to know, if you're a part of purchasing a gift, we want you to be there to see her open it if you want to be. So. That's all I have today. Thank you so much for um, being faithful and just trusting that this is God through me and through our team and just showing up and saying yes. Thanks. So that's not the only thing God does here at Westway Christian Church. There's your bloom. There's your head that I burst right in front of you. Um, 
About three weeks ago, uh, somebody comes walking into Westway Christian Church on a Sunday morning, walks up to um, Miranda Coop and says, um, I want to be baptized. So then Miranda tells me, I meet with this person a few times, she's been to our small group, and then last Sunday she comes walking up to me, um, standing behind the children's ministry uh, counter, and she says, I want to be baptized. So we got together and we talked, sweet Claudia, would you come up front? My favorite uh, part, of our, part of her story is we were, we were talking a little bit about this as, as pastors one, one morning. Um, she said, when I initially asked her why she wanted to be baptized, you can come on up here, initially why she wanted to be baptized, she said, I read the Bible and that's what it says. Okay. Um, so it wasn't three weeks of arguing with her, it was three weeks of, of conversation and talking about what it means to enter into a life of obedience with Jesus. So here at Westway Christian Church, the, one of the things that we do when someone becomes a follower of Jesus is, is we baptize them. Um, we didn't make that up. Um, we find that in the Bible, as Claudia reminded me um, when she told me why she wanted to be baptized. So here at Westway Christian Church, maybe, maybe you've been here for a while and you've, you've been hearing about this life that Jesus offers you, like, this is, this is kind of point A. Um, in, in, in Acts chapter 2, at this big uh, preaching event that, that Peter gives, he says, um, the people say, what should we do? He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the reception of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and every generation after you. So that's it. So if, you, if you're wondering what your next step at Westway Christian Church is, if you've been here for a while, and you're, yeah, Jesus really, like I'm falling in love with Jesus. I'm sensing that, that Jesus is giving me life. This is, this is the step. This is, this is step A. So I'm going to ask Claudia. Claudia, why do you want to be baptized today? Well, today, um, today, um, I take another step into my faith. Before I asked Jesus to take control of my life, I always felt although there was something missing. I was lost and empty, but even as a child, I though I have um, no one, I always felt that there was someone. There have maybe been, I felt lonely in my heart, but I knew that was always never completely alone. I knew of Jesus, of the Lord, but I ain't grow up going to church. But I always had a lot of hope and faith and believe that there was always something more there. About two years ago, God answered prayers that I had made 25 years earlier, and my eyes started opening, recognizing his presence everywhere. So that day I found out who that someone was that I felt all along. It was Christ saying he has been by my side all along and to trust in him. So today I close the door to my past and open a new door to my future. My future is my baptism, a faith in action. So to say a little prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, 
I know that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive for forgiveness. I believe you died from for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.